HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to Heritage Radio Network's coverage of the Slow Food Nations 2018 Festival. My name is Kat Johnson, and I'm here once again with Hannah Forden. Hey, Kat. And I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors who have made our coverage of the festival possible. Hearst Ranch Beef, the Julia Child Foundation, and our friend Julie Schaefer, who is joining us right now. (laughs) Welcome, Julie. Thank you. It's great to be here. We've been looking forward to having you join us at the tent today. (laughs) I've been looking forward to it as well. Yes. So Julie is the newly elected co-chair of Slow Food USA, and she's also um, on the board of Heritage Foods USA, which if you are familiar with us at Heritage Radio Network, know that we have close ties to Heritage Foods USA. Um, And... Julie just moved this year from Atlanta to Charleston. Yep. So, and you've been super involved in slow food chapters in in Atlanta for you founded Atlanta, correct? I did in in uh, two thousand. And so, I'm curious, you know, what was that process of founding a chapter like, and working with them for many years, and then uprooting, moving to Charleston, and kind of getting your uh, toes in the water with another chapter? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Well. Um, Slow Food Atlanta was my baby, and I ran that chapter about 10 years after I founded it and then served as a regional governor and then was elected to the board um, and, and recently drafted into the co-chair position. And, you know, I enjoy serving. And moving to Charleston has been fabulous. You know, my, my kids are grown. My parents are gone. My pets died. I feel really free for the first time, maybe ever. And I decided to write a new chapter, so I moved to Charleston. And, you know, I had been in touch with Slow Food Charleston chapter throughout the years and uh, noticed that they had a really robust chapter and a great community doing great work. And so it's been like I've had a built-in community of friends um, in Slow Food Charleston. And, you know, I'm not officially on their board, but I do attend their board members and serve as an advisor to the chapter, and they're doing amazing work there. And um, it's completely different from the work that Atlanta chapter does. So it would be like comparing apples and oranges. Um, Currently, Slow Food Charleston has undertaken a really, I I think, amazing um, Arc of Taste project. They are trying to save the lemon cling peach, which is a, an old variety of peach, a clingstone, and um, partnering with the University of South Carolina 
Department of Agriculture and Dr. David Shields, who, as you probably know, is a rock star of biodiversity in We're big the fans. world. Yeah, he's great. He's great. And um, so that's what that's their big project right now, and it's exciting. And um, they do great work with children in food. And not school gardens, but little children. And I don't know too many chapters who are working with small kids. And um, how did how did chapters in your experience kind of determine what their project or their focus will be? Yeah, I think it depends on the personality of the chapter leaders, mm-hmm. their areas of interest. Um, The leader of Slow Food Charleston, uh, Carrie Larson, has a small child, and that's why she developed the Tiny Tastemakers program. She has a vested interest, and that just seems to be the way it is across the country. Um, The chapter takes on, well, whatever the leader's most interested in, because it's a volunteer grassroots organization run by leaders, I mean, by volunteers. When you were, so when you were in Atlanta and you founded that chapter as the leader there, what were some of the things that you um, took on as passion projects? Well, you know, nobody had heard of Slow Food in 2000. However, there were food industry people who were already card-carrying, dues-paying members of the organization Slow Food International. And so in 2000, when I founded the chapter, it was just simply a matter of getting in touch with those people who were already members, knew about the organization, knew what they were doing internationally. And I just said, I'm founding a chapter in Atlanta. I'd love for you to be involved. And they were like, oh, yes, thank you. And um, that's how we got the ball rolling with that core group initially. And um, I did a lot of tabling over the Mm. years you know just information tables at different events civic events festivals and so forth and you know got a few uh media um got the attention of some newspapers and radio stations and tv and and that helps a lot and what were some of the like did you do a lot of work with the arc of taste when you were in atlanta not a lot no, no. we had a hard time identifying products in our area um, that were suitable for the arc of taste. In Charleston, it's very different because, you know, it's historic. Yes. And they've, you know, the rice, the grains, the um, rye, you know, there are a a lot of ancient grains that came over in the, in the, um, Lining of clothing of enslaved Africans right. that they brought from their native lands and uh, planted in South Carolina. Yes, and I'm sure that a lot of port cities probably have that same sort of situation where sure. so many crops were brought in in the 16, 17, 1800s. Sure. That yeah, Charleston just seems like it is its own like incredible biome of. Yeah. all these arc of taste ingredients, and David yeah. Shields does a lot of work with that. And there were a lot of enslaved Africans there working the fields. Right. And they brought seeds and food traditions from their country. And so the food scene there is a really interesting blend of cultures. Yes. So how are you liking it so far? You've been there for about a year? Yeah, almost Just a like year. Love it. Restaurant Love it. scene. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I really kind of underestimated the emotional difficulty of pulling up deep roots. I was in Atlanta 37 years, but having a built-in community in the slow food community there has really helped. And I'm making friends and getting involved in projects. And I'm also a member of Les Dames de Scoffier, and there's an active chapter there. So, yeah, I'm having a blast. And I can't think of a better city to eat my way through and I know you've been there for oh, Charleston yes. Wine and Food, and so you know what a great food city it is. And yeah, I wish we had more time there because, yeah. I mean, and, and everything you're talking about, about the history of Charleston, I feel like it really does come across in their restaurant scene in a way that yeah. in other cities you don't necessarily feel that way, that you oh, are yeah. eating the city's history in its restaurants, and it's being celebrated. And, and I feel like that's really, really special, and it doesn't happen in a lot of places. Like, I think, I mean, New Orleans is a good example, yep. but, you know... I can't really think of other places, and you're right. It must be there, fun to live there. <laughs> there are a handful of cities and areas of the country yeah. in the U.S. that have very distinctive food scenes, and and you know the Low Country is definitely one. Definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. So, as someone who's been involved in local chapters for so long and in, mm-hmm. in such a in such a leadership role, but you're also now the board co-chair of the yep. national of Slow Food USA. Yes. How does the work differ? And like, what are, how do the focus areas differ when you're working on a national level versus locally? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, As board co-chair, I'm losing some sleep at night. It's a big responsibility. Keeping a nonprofit going, you know, being financially sustainable is, um, as you know, being a nonprofit yourselves. Yes. Yes. um, (laughs) Challenging. And just seeking funding. Um, There's the programmatic work, which often is challenging, but not nearly as challenging as the financial aspect. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's what, you know, keeps me up at night a little bit. Um, The rest of it is a lot of fun. I I like... um, the communication aspect of it, I like it, seeing what chapters are doing across the country and, you know, connecting. I'm also the board liaison to the governors, so I talk to the governors on a regular basis, and they send me news of their states and their regions, and it's very exciting and inspiring to see what's going on in silos in different parts mm-hmm. of the country. Um, uh, to be perfectly honest, it's less joyful working at a higher level of leadership and by higher level I mean more responsibility mm-hmm. so um, yeah, it's, it's different and I've worked at all levels of leadership in this organization and um, to be perfectly honest I'm looking forward to a time when I can just be um, an active participant I'm curious you mentioned the local chapters um, I'm curious like what areas of the country where you're seeing really exciting work being done in local chapters um, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I, you know, <clears throat> I hate to keep bragging about the South. <laughs> it's okay. But it's having, is it okay? it's having a food renaissance. I think yeah. it's okay for us to oh, celebrate that. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel like the, the South was a little bit late to the whole good food movement, but we're there and mm. we're on fire. Yeah. And it's real interesting to see what's going on. And in that we have David Shields and, and, um, People like this guy, Ted Nelson, with uh, Gumbo Marketing. Hey, Hey, Ted. Ted. (laughs) Um, You know, we have some very 
special influencers in the South. And I'm really proud of that. I also see a lot of really great work going on in New York and Mm -hmm. California. And, And then there are places in the middle, Iowa, where there's great work being done too. So it's hard to, you know, pick That's out great. areas like that. But yeah. yeah, slow food, New York State, slow food, California. Uh, I think there's really brilliant work going on. And, um, you know, we, um, Slow Food California just really initiated some great work with equity, inclusion, and justice. And we just completed a manifesto around it. And I served on the working group. And I'm very excited about that work. <clears throat> and to bring it forward more into our organization. So one of the things that you do on the National Slow Food USA level, obviously, is Slow Food Nations. Yes. And that's why we're here. And this is the second year of the festival, and we interviewed you last year. Yes. Uh, so I'm curious, what's, what's your thought this year to last year? How do you feel like it's come along? Good question. I feel like we learned a lot of hard lessons last year. You know, with first-time events, you just do. Yeah. And um, I think it's going much more smoothly this year. I, I think the programming has been fantastic. You know, that you guys are not stuck in a little closet on the second floor of a building. <laughs> we love it's our tent. Progress. Your tent's great. Thanks Next to you year for it'll that. Be even better. We'll have yeah. comfy, comfy couches hey. and refreshments Love and things it. like that, right? Um, but <clears throat> I like the whole food justice aspect to the, that is strong here this year. And, um, you know, I don't know if you heard, have heard Raj Patel speak at all, but... Yes, yes. Yeah, he's, he, he's one of my new heroes, and I got to pose with him for a picture yesterday and that was really exciting so um, I've heard nothing but positive feedback from all attendees and I've met a lot of people from Denver and Colorado in general this year and I didn't last year Mm. and I think we've done a better job of getting the word out about the festival locally through the media yes I agree with all of that I think this year is very smooth it was a great crowd yesterday. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. I we think, had all our seats taken up at one point. It yeah. Was a yeah. Times. I think that you're right. There are a lot more locals. Mm-hmm. And it, even people that we've interviewed, there have been a lot more Denver-based food uh, activists, yeah. farmers, chefs. Um, it's just been great. And I, I think you guys are doing such a wonderful job. Thank you. Yeah. I, you know, there have been a lot of really wonderful free events. And our ticketed events have largely sold out. It's wonderful. Fantastic. Which is, you know, very positive. Um, have you, there been any highlights that you want to shout out of the festival this weekend? Oh, gosh. I really enjoyed um, a free event yesterday that I attended um, in the morning with Tom Philpott. It was food and capitalism. Mm. Uh, Tom Philpott was the moderator, and that was really inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday, I attended the disaster, the, the disaster summit. And um, we heard from people from Katrina, New Orleans, how they managed after Hurricane Katrina and how they rebuilt, how they fed people. Uh, We heard from people from Japan after the earthquake of 2005 and how they managed. We heard from, um, gosh, 
Puerto Rico, you know, the most recent disaster in the U.S. and how they parts of Puerto Rico a year later still don't have electricity. Mm-hmm. You know, a large portion of that island still doesn't have electricity. Mm-hmm. So that really stood out. And um, everybody agreed that um, how we get through disasters like that is relationships, building relationships, and preparedness. We've got to be prepared yeah. with, with climate change. We've got, to, we've got to can food. We've got to be ready when disasters strike and we don't have cell phones or electricity. We've got to have a plan for that. And with so many natural... Oh, and we heard from someone from Sonoma yesterday, too. Mm. You know, the fires a year ago. I mean, there have just been so many crazy climatic events that have been disastrous. And we, um, it, you know, it ended on a positive note because everybody shared their su- success stories. And um, so that was a really interesting one for me to attend. I think a lot of the speakers and the events I've noticed, there's definitely been a focus on, yes, let's have a high-level discussion about something, but let's also be solution-minded and come yes. up with, like, like like in the disaster relief yeah. panel, it's like, well, what can we learn from this and what can we take forward and, and use? Because, yes, we are going to be facing more disasters, most likely, yeah. and we need to have a kind of a plan of action. Yeah. Um, was that something that Slow Food had in mind in planning this festival yes. of wanting to come away with, like, actionable yes. items? Mm-hmm. Well, our um, main campaign for this year is food for change. Mm-hmm. And it's about climate change. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's no denying climate change, and we have to be prepared for it. Awesome. Well, Julie, thanks so much for sitting down with us and giving us uh, an overview of what the chapters are doing on a local level, what Slow Food USA is working on, and uh, kind of a overview of this year's Slow Food Nations and uh, let's keep this tradition going and we'll interview you here next year. Well, and I want you to know that um, there are two guest rooms waiting for you <laughs> in Charleston now as soon as I get my boxes unpacked. So Amazing. please come visit. We'll help you unpack. We'll be there for, yeah, okay, <laughs> we'll be there for Charleston Wine and Food, Yay, if not good. sooner. Good, that sounds good, amazing. Good. We are so excited. Thanks um, so much for having me. Oh thank gosh, you. Our pleasure. And thanks again Thanks again to you for supporting our coverage of the festival. My pleasure. Um, and also thank you to Hearst Ranch Beef and to the Julia Child Foundation. And once again, I'm Kat Johnson with Hannah Forden. And we will be right back. Thanks, Julie. Thank you.